Hello and welcome everyone to the Priceless Podcast. My name is Mikhail Sechen. I'm your host. This podcast is made in partnership with the European Forum of LGBT Christian Groups. It is part of the Let Us Be Heard series, which is supported by HMS. Subscribe, like, share, and comment in the comment section below. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And let's go to our new guest today. I'm so excited because I was looking for someone for quite some time because I'm a fan of drag and I can admit it. I'm uh, also a little bit, I don't know, I probably need an AA drag meeting by now. I'm so happy that after some time I actually heard about Mark Ashton who did drag for a long time. So thank you Mark for coming to the Priceless Podcast. Welcome and how are you? Good, good day and thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm so chuffed to be your guilty pleasure for today. <laughs> um, I'm very well, thank you. <laughs> um, I'm doing very, very well. And uh, as I say, thrilled to be here. So uh, thank you for inviting me. So for the viewers and listeners, can you introduce yourself and tell us a few words about who Mark is? Absolutely. So my name is Mark Ashton. I am South African, but I've lived in the UK for, uh, for many years. Um, I am a Catholic, um, and I'm a drag queen. You are the first South African that we had as a guest. Wow, this is a double welcome. <laughs> Gotta be careful what you wish for. So you mentioned that your religious background is being Catholic. When did you figure out that you were gay, and how did you actually reconcile being gay and being catholic and a person of faith wow um how long have you got um it's been quite a journey <laughs> um but um in terms of my my own realization about being gay and coming out um i'm afraid i don't have the the the, the typical coming out story it's very very sad because um i somehow um, I, I never really got to have the big coming out. Um, for some reason, everybody always seems to have already known. Um, so um, I didn't uh, didn't have a big coming out story, but um, I did grow up in a very conservative Catholic environment. And to be fair, I didn't really know myself for a long time what gay was. Um, and what I did know wasn't that positive. Um, I may have been called mm. names growing up, but um, I just took those as childish insult. It took me a long time to try and reconcile the two. And it's something that I think is a continuous struggle for, for a person of faith uh, who also happens to be LGBT, let alone a drag queen. Um, and I think what I realized is that one day when I find myself at the pearly gates, I'm going to have to answer for the life that I've lived, right? And am I going to stand there and say, you know, hi, I'm Mark Ashton. I've been a fantastic gay, which is possible and likely. Or do I really want to stand there and say, um, hi, my name is Mark and, and I've been a good person. And I think when I started focusing more on my spirituality, rather than and prioritizing my relationship with Jesus over prioritizing what the church maybe wanted, um, I found a, a, a much more comfort and a, and a stronger place to, to grow and, and to discover myself by focusing on my own spirituality, my own relationship uh, with God first. So don't get, don't get me wrong. The, the leadership and the church is very important to give us structure, to give us leadership, to help us curate a relationship with, with, with our God. But we are the ones that have to focus on our own spirituality. 
Um, and when I realized that, it was much easier for me to start to reconcile the fact that I was both an LGBT person and also a Catholic. So the interesting thing about, um, about being gay and Catholic is although I never had the big coming out as gay, still don't know why, but never had to come out as gay, um, I have had to come out as Catholic. And the strange thing is, if you are, if you're particularly with your gay friends and they're like, are you religious? And well, I wouldn't say religious. Am I a person of faith? Yes, I am. Oh, really? What, what denomination? Catholic. What? And they will actually argue with me. you right. About how is that possible? How could you do that? How can you be Catholic and gay? It just doesn't work. The two do not. This duality has been a real problem. And coming out as Catholic, for me, has sometimes been more strenuous than coming out as gay. So it's not something that society expects. Um, that, And you know what? I can understand why it's so difficult to consider that duality. But it was something that I put a lot of time and effort into getting through that dilemma. Yeah, it's interesting how people, gay people, LGBT people, LGBT plus people have to come out on two different sides. Uh, and often that's something that we heard when we started working here in Croatia, where the LGBT organizations said that actually LGBT plus people of faith are not just discriminated, but their community or the community, the faith community, but they're also discriminated by the LGBT plus community when they come out as a person of faith, which makes it sometimes really hard if there are no groups that support LGBT plus people of faith. You talked a little bit about that you grew up, that you didn't have the coming out story that so many people have, but you still grew up in a very conservative surrounding. Can you say how did this surrounding and family that you say they always knew that you were gay, how did they accept you and what is, was your relationship with them? So when I say they knew, it didn't necessarily mean that it was something we openly spoke about. Yeah. Mm. There's an element of shame which society puts on, on us, I feel, sometimes. And you don't want to talk about it. The one thing I can say positively, though, is that when I discussed this with my mother, although she was a convert to Catholicism, and a very devout Catholic. She was also a very devout mother and loved her children more than anything. And I was surprised once. It was after mass. We were at home making lunch, chopping vegetables, glass of wine at hand, chatting away. We were talking about this and that. And my mother asked me if I wanted to get married one day. I said, yes, I think I would. I wasn't sure what my mother would say. I said, would you come to my wedding? Almost expecting her to take a very typical anti-gay response, saying, well, I couldn't possibly, or, mm. you know, what would, the, what would, the, what would the, the community say? Or I don't know what I expected. And her response was, yes, I think I would, actually. I'd like to be there for you, and I'd like to experience it. And mm. it was that kind of open mind. I mean, she was very, very clear on what the church had to say about homosexuality. But regardless of that, she also loved her child. And I was loved. And I think what's really important is this idea of love. And that is something I think we really need to focus on. Not focus on sex, but focus on love, right? So, you know, when we, when we, when we talk about... Um, we talk about uh, gay pride. In the cities around the world where we have gay pride, and lucky enough to have it, 
we hear a lot about love. And when it comes to equal marriage, we hear a lot about love is love. And the great thing is that it doesn't take too long before you end up in the place which is also God is love. And I think that's what my mother had for me. So she overcame and was able to work with that duality in her child and to wrestle with it in a way where she was able to encompass both, to be a good Catholic and to still love her son. I think that doesn't happen often enough, that people can cope with both. It gave me a lot more strength to try and do the same for myself. You talked about the struggle where you mentioned that there still is kind of a struggle with you kind of combining those two things, you being gay and your spirituality and church. So what is one thing you wished you had when you were a teenager? Uh, because it sounds that this struggle is also painful. And what would you wish for the church to do now? Maybe it's completely the same. But if not, can you talk about those two wishes? I, I, I wish... I, I wish the church should always focus on love. I, I wish the, the church would focus on WWJD. What would Jesus do? Right? If Jesus was alive today, who's he going to be hanging out with? I'll tell you what, I think he's going to be hanging out with those who are marginalized. He's going to be, he's going to be out with the gays. I, I I'm convinced of it. Um, because we are also part of the body of Christ. We are also his people. What I wish the church wouldn't do, or what I wish they, let's just put it this way, what they, I wish they would do is focus on the real ills of the world. We live in very challenging times, right? Hunger, war, murder, corruption, evils of this world. Why spend so much time talking about sex? <laughs> yeah. We don't need to worry about it. I have this thing. I, 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 when people ask me to talk about who I am and about being, being gay, I, I, I prefer to talk about my sexual orientation rather than my sexuality because to me it's important to talk about who I love if I had to describe myself it would be about who I love it wouldn't be about what I like to do in bed and let's be honest it really is none of your business or anybody else's or the church's right for me that's how I define sexuality it's about sex for me Sexual orientation for me is about who I love. And I think if we focused on praying for, you know, the righting of the wrongs in the world, pray for the real evils of the world, pray for peace, pray for a lack of corruption. Let's pray for, let's worry about that. And when we're not doing that, Let's worry about, well, not worry about, but let's focus on love. Because that's what Jesus would I, do. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. So you had all these challenges, and then you added another challenge. You went into the world of drag. <laughs> and dear viewers and listeners, well, right now I have to say dear viewers. So if you're listening to this podcast, maybe at some point it would be interesting for you to also watch this podcast on YouTube. The thing is that Mark is going to do his magic in a few minutes and he's going to turn into drag. So we're going to see also uh, Mark as Matron and we'll meet Matron. What was so attractive for you to get into drag? What motivated you to start doing drag and get into the whole drag world? I think it was a number of things that got me excited 
about drag and, and, and performing. Um, I've always loved the stage, let's be honest. And I think that should be quite obvious. I mean, um, at the age of five years old, I was going with my mother to, to morning mass um, and, and, and I was on, I was on the altar, I was an altar server from the age of five years old. So, you know, show me, show me a stage and I'm on it. Um, <laughs> albeit in the church. Um, but besides my, my love of performance, I, I think that, I think the drag queens are to me like gay superheroes. They, they defend they speak out. Yes, they make people laugh and they entertain. Uh, I love making people laugh. I'm the kind of I'm the kind of guy who chats up the lady at the till in the shop because the poor cow's been there for days on end and putting all of these things through and everybody shouting at you and she's you know it's a tough job and she could do with a bit of a smile or he could do with a bit of a smile. So I always try and make a point of making them laugh. I like to make people laugh, make them laugh, make them laugh, make them smile. Using satire to talk about the ills of the day, to challenge some of the norms um, in a funny, entertaining way. is a skill that's been around for many, many years. And I think you have an opportunity as a drag queen, as a clown, to make fun of some of the things that we experience, to speak out for those who cannot speak for themselves. And I like doing that. I think, you know, drag queens have a history that goes all the way back to, you know, in our LGBT history, Stonewall and the Stonewall riots and, and way before that even. Um, and it was, it was the transgender peoples and the drag queens who were very involved in the Stonewall riots who said, no more. Uh, we're standing up for ourselves. And it's a tradition that has continued. Um, I think if, if you're able to entertain people, if you're able to be visible, to go through the journey of self-discovery and to be your authentic self, even if it means dressing up and being as flamboyant and crazy and, and doing that and being visible and speaking on behalf of, of those who maybe can't speak for themselves. I think that's a, that's a wonderful honor. Um, and I think there are a lot of, there are a lot of entertainers over the years that have done that very, very well. You talked about self-discovery through drag. What did you discover about yourself by doing drag? Besides loving being on the stage. <laughs> That's entertainment. Um, what did I discover about myself uh, through drag? I, I learned I can fail. I, I learned that you never know unless you try. Um, I learned about getting back up again. And I actually mean literally. I once took a step off the stage and I was in a bit of a rush for the costume change. And I think the strap broke on my six-inch platform stilettos and I came down like a ton of bricks right in front of the audience. And, um, yeah, that was... <laughs> That was a growth moment. Um, I got back up and I got myself off the changing room. I changed. I went back. I did the next. I did the next number. Um, so there, there is, there is that. Um, I learned perseverance, um, and I learned a lot about myself. It was humbling altogether, I think. And that's not something that you would ever associate with a drag queen, is it? Um, but I think when you, you see these shows on TV, um, and you see, you see these Queens go through a, a journey of discovery about who they are, um, and really kind of self -an analysis. And I think, you know, when I said before about drag Queens being gay superheroes, um, 
I think you don't you don't get to to have the insight and to stand up for others, perhaps, um, unless you've done some introspection yourself and finding out what I didn't know. I think was um, was a growth experience for me and quite humbling. Well, we are about at the time where you will do your magic and turn into drag. But before you do it, is there anything else that would that you would like to say before the magic happens? Well, I think, you know, in summary, um, I think it would have been a lot more helpful to me if in, in, in my development and finding my way, my journey of self-discovery, uh, both of being um, a Christian and gay, um, being a Catholic and a drag queen. Um, if, uh, if Lady Gaga had been around when I was much younger, um, and, you know, you think about Born This Way, which only came out in 2011. Um, but, you know, she says, don't hide yourself in regret. Just love yourself and you'll be set. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. I think it's a fantastic song. It's an anthem. I love it. Um, and uh, I think they're definitely words to live by. The fabulous Lady Gaga also said, don't be a drag, just be a queen. Wow. <laughs> and what a queen we have. Welcome, welcome, matron. Wow, you certainly did some magic there. Well, we try, darling, we try. Does she scrub up all right? She scrubbed that up very fine, very fine. I love it. I love it. So tell me, Matron, how do you feel? How do I feel? Well, I, uh... <laughs> I sat in front of a mirror for two hours, poking at my face. How do you think I feel? <laughs> <laughs> the wig is too harsh. There's no air in this room. And I'm up way too early. How do you think I feel? <laughs> no, um, darling, it's an absolute, absolute pleasure to be here with you. Thank you so much. I am delighted. I do jest. I'm, uh, I'm very, very happy. I'm on top of the world. And I, there's no way I would rather be. So thank you. Thank you to uh, Mark Ashton for letting me come. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, it's really amazing. And I'm really spellbound by your transformation. So thank you. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Matron. Who is Matron? Oh, Matron is, um, she's everybody's favorite auntie. She's the one that comes to family lunches, keeps your mother on edge, your father entertained, and the kids, well, they love her. Because Matron, well, she talks the place blue, she tells funny jokes, she's entirely irreverent, and, uh, and she winds up mommy no end. So uh, everybody loves a bit of Matron. If you say you're the auntie, do you have sweets in your bag? Oh, sweetie. No, I'm diabetic. But, uh, <laughs> but mama's always got some sugar. Great. Great. That's what we need. So, dear queen matron, <laughs> tell us, what's the difference between you and Mark? Not an awful lot, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I think the, the voyage of discovery, which one goes through, and I think if you're, going to, if you're going to be a drag queen, you really have to have a pretty good sense of self. And one of the things I learned about being matron, or matrons taught me, uh, is um, to be absolutely sure about who I am. And uh, I think I think we get along just fine. I the the, the duality that exists um, 
uh, in all of us, you know, particularly if we're talking about uh, being LGBT and Christian or to being a drag queen and being Catholic. Um, the important thing is that we're all the same person. And as I said before, if I prioritize spirituality over church and the structure and whatever, I'm no different. A person going to church and um, then the person who's going clubbing, right? If I'm going to be a good person, I'm going to be a good person 24-7. If I'm going to be fabulous, I'm going to be fabulous 24-7. The only difference is matron is what fabulous looks like. Poor old Mark Ashton, he's just, he's got to keep it all inside. <laughs> but Matron lets it all hang out and puts it on display. And that's the only difference, really. Matron is the fabulousness that Mark Ashton has inside. So is it true that when you transform into Matron, that there is a special freedom that you feel and something else is adding added to mark ashton um yes special freedom yes i think drag queens get away with an awful lot don't you <laughs> <laughs> we get to say and and challenge things that other people only ever think as long as we do it for the right reasons and we do it for love, we do it with love, I think it's absolutely fabulous. So does it come with some freedom? Absolutely. Do I celebrate getting frocked up and dolled up and entertaining people? Absolutely. I mean, who doesn't love to be fabulous? I agree. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit, I mean, now you started to talk a little bit what drag brings into the world and also to you. Can you tell us a little bit more about what drag is? For me, drag is, is magic. To take a middle-aged homosexual... <laughs> And turn him into something fabulous. I think, you know, I don't want to use the word miracle lightly. But <laughs> if you see what was this looked like this morning when it fell out of bed, <laughs> I think this is magic. Um, and besides magic, I think, oh, well, we have LGBT plus people all over the world can't speak for themselves can't be heard yeah. they're too afraid to come out they're too that there are challenges still going going and i think somebody needs to stand up and speak and challenge these 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 social terrors and i think drag queens very often do that they have done in the past and they continue to do it and i think it's an honor to be a drag queen And to mm. do that. So for me, satire, social challenge, I think it's a fabulous part of being a drag queen. Being a visible part, being gay and being visible and being proud. Viva, as we say in Africa. When you do drag, there is a huge transformation. And actually, if I would see you in drag and afterwards without drag, I wouldn't recognize you that you are the same person. Do you think that in history, when it was not safe to be out gay and proud, this was also a way for people to put on a mask and feel free for a while and not be recognized without this transformation. Absolutely, absolutely. But I would take it a step further. I would say that, you know, what you see indeed is a transformation, a physical transformation. The magic of turning a portly middle-aged white man into a fabulous piece of glamorous creation. 
besides that transformation, I think humor and comedy and satire is a wonderful mechanism for challenging the social yes. norms of the day when it's difficult to do so. And I think absolutely, I think, I think throughout history, drag has done amazing things to stand up uh, for the community um, and to challenge. Um, because I think, and you'll see this on some of the TV shows, um, drag queens themselves have often been through a very tortured existence growing up in areas where it's difficult to be gay exactly the situation that you're that you're that you're talking about and have gone through a process themselves where they couldn't be themselves so whether they use drag to challenge that in the moment or whether coming through it they realized who they were and then presented that to the outside world through drag they were then, after the fact, being able to go back and say, look at me, I am a product of this, I came through this, um, and, you know, you can still be fabulous at the end of it. So, I think it's a wonderful thing. Tell me, if you look at drag, when it started and throughout the beginnings and drag today, what would you say, what changes, what major changes happened to drag and the art form of drag? I think it's become a lot more accessible. Um, I, my drag mother was working in drag clubs in the 70s and... Um, you know, and, and, and even before that, when it was illegal to be gay or certainly to be running around town doing shows uh, in women's clothing. Um, but um, that indeed was a, was a protest in itself, doing those shows, right? Um, as it was to congregate in, in and still today, in a, in a lot of places, it is still illegal to congregate. Um, so to bring to bring uh, LGBT people together and then to entertain them is a form of protest in itself. Um, but over time, it's gone from that to be something of uh, a much greater appeal, mass appeal. And uh, I think there are, you know, there you see a lot more on television now. There are competitions. There are um, um, reality programs documentaries um about a lot of a lot of things and a lot more about lgbt culture and part of that small part of that is drag culture as well and it's become a lot more visible a lot more accessible um and i think it's great um i think um it is fun it is why should everybody not enjoy the fabulousness of drag so it's definitely become a lot more accessible from those times before where it was more of a protest. Um, today, sometimes it still is, but it's also entertaining the masses, which it, I think is great. I think we need entertainment. <laughs> I think it's a great form of what you say really even working through really hard things. And I think that humor is an extremely powerful tool, what you already said. And I so much agree with you. <laughs> yes, cheers to that. I wish I had something too, but I don't. Oh. I have a candle in a glass. I can just pretend. <laughs> <laughs> Darling. <laughs> well, I have to go a little bit back to you and ask you, how was it for you when you turned into matron for the first time and saw yourself in the mirror? I was shocked. <laughs> it was... That's the... Again, we come back to the magic of drag, right? You look in the mirror and go... Who is this beautiful lady? 
<laughs> and it was it was transformational it was i don't know it's just wonderful it's it's difficult to explain but you know in more and more i see people experiencing drag and using drag as a way to express on the outside just how fabulous they feel on the inside and 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 when i do it's it's just absolute joy and i remember that first time being quite gobsmacked uh and and kind of kind of going it is me <laughs> i want to go a little bit back you are a drag queen and also catholic how did you <laughs> manage to deal with this duality or maybe there is no duality at all so let me get this right you're asking about what it's like to be catholic and a man who wears a dress strangely enough <laughs> it's a bit more challenging than you might think considering how many men are there are running around in dresses but, um, <laughs> certainly i must say that so as a child <laughs> i um I, I i i think i may have mentioned before five years old the first time i took to the catholic stage um, as an altar server and um indeed um it's uh on occasion, I actually, and not only was I an altar server, but I, I redesigned the cassocks. We had matching colors for every season. Um, it was, it really was, I was just thinking about it this morning. I should have known, really. I really should have known. Um, people used to say to my mother, aren't, aren't you concerned about your son? Um, you know, running up, you know, clothing and things and, uh, and making dresses. And my mother was like, no, 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 his father, his grandfather was a, was a tailor. Uh, he's, he's inherited the tailor gene and i was like no mummy i've inherited a different gene <laughs> um but um well the first thing seriously speaking now about being drag queen and catholic is um i never go to mass like this for one i think i think that's that's probably probably going to be frowned upon um, I don't think they like the competition. And um, <laughs> does it bother me going, being myself and going to mass? Whether I'm in drag or not? No. I prioritise my spirituality. And I prioritise my relationship with God. as a private thing. And I go to church. Now... You know, if I really wanted to go to church like this, I think I probably should be allowed to. Um, I think, you know, uh, if my if my LGBT brothers and sisters wanted to go to church and celebrate who they are, dress in a particular way, I think they should do it. Essentially, I really believe that everybody is part of that one body. If you are, if you are Catholic. Or Christian even. You belong to the body of Christ. You belong to his people. If you carry the good in your heart. I don't see why there should be a problem. Being both. I think one of the most famous queens. Um, at the moment for sure. But certainly for most of my life. Is uh, you know Saint Rue of Paul. Um, Mama herself. Rue Paul. What I really love is <laughs> she's always laughing with you, not at you, right? And and she she's she, her principles are clear, right? Um, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anybody else? A foundation of love, and she's absolutely clear on that. And I wanted to be the same kind of queen. On a foundation of love. And yes, throw shade, but don't be mean. Tease. Yes, but don't attack. 
And when queens do and they get it wrong, those are the cringeworthy moments when you're like, oh, guess he's going home today. Who needs help packing? You know? So um, I think if I had to think about religion and, and, and drag, if I had to think about being myself and being a good person, let's talk about that way. I think that's how it's landed for me. How do I best laugh with people rather than at them? I like that part of being shady because you can never be shady if you don't know how to accept someone who is being shady a little bit towards you and with you. So I think it makes things a little bit lighter. And I have to say that something what's would really do some good within the church to have a little bit more of that. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> a little bit of levity, Father, said the actress to the bishop. Um, yes, I do believe that we do take things sometimes a little bit too seriously. So I agree with you. Make them laugh, make them laugh, make them laugh. Exactly, exactly. I think laughter is such, such a precious gift for so many things. What are some of the most fun things you experienced doing drag that really stuck to you and you remember them and are very fond of them for a pg audience i would imagine <laughs> if possible oh some of the most fun things doing drag well i did a um i did a guest spot uh once with um a uh, a very well known male chorus in london it was absolutely brilliant the most fun ever um with your feet on the ground and um we uh we were in on stage as part of the chorus uh myself and some others and um we already had like half of our makeup on but uh just just the base and, and all of that stuff and our tights and everything underneath our trousers and and shirts and whatever and then uh, after a song finished, the lights came down and we zooped off and then the lights came back up again and we were gone. So nobody knew we'd left because they were mm. shoved up. And then we went around the back and we're like, foop, foop, and then stood into the dress, look on the dress and sat down and pop, 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 pop. We only had like two songs. Um, and then whoops, wig went on, up, shoes on, and then and we went out and we did our guest bosh. It was fabulous. It was just so much fun. And uh, the conductor came in while we were having our faces done. And he was like, you're all very quiet in here. And um, we were like, it's very serious stuff, this doing drag. And uh, yeah, we, we had an absolute super, super time. There's plenty I could add, but I don't think now's the time of the place, to be honest. <laughs> Call me later. Call me later. I'll tell you the other stories, okay? You can find me on Facebook and call me matron. Send me a little message. I'll tell you. Okay. So talk to you later about the other stories. So let's go a little bit to the sad part. So what was the hardest thing that you experienced or the worst thing, however you want to put it, while you were doing drag? Right, shady queen. Right, come and talk to us about about being fabulous, matron. All right, come and talk to us about come and hang out all your dirty laundry, matron. Well, I wasn't expecting this one. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, the most difficult thing I think was um. So I haven't always been matron. I've I've had other characters in the past, but like um. I was very young when I first did drag. And um, there were still some queens around that might remember it. 
but I'm happy to say they're even older than I am, if I remember. <laughs> but um, I was very young and impressionable and finding my way. And, uh, yes, yeah, not everybody's born this fabulous, you know what I mean? It takes a lot of work. I had my fair share of of challenging rooms to work. In show business, they call it dying on your ass. <laughs> she died on her ass more times than you've had hot dinners, dear. But um, I think trying something and failing, getting up, doing it again. Um, I had some very good advice when I first started doing drag was from my Auntie Alice. Uh, she was uh, one of the Harlequins and a uh, very famous mime act. And uh, she's dead now, God bless her. Died on stage. Final number. Ta-da! Took a bow, collapsed. Everybody applauded, thinking that, um, thinking that, that was, it was for effect and dram- dramatics and she got a standing ovation. I didn't realise the poor cow was had a heart attack and was dying. And she died on stage. Now that's called dying on your ass. Anyway, Auntie Alice, God bless her. Um, she said to me, every performance is just one more rehearsal, dear. I think that's what I learnt from my, probably, a wor- no, no, I wouldn't even say it's a worst memory. I don't regard it as a worst memory. I think it's some, some challenging times, you know, when you're just a, a, a young baby drag queen. Um, trying to find your way in the world. Um, I think learning that uh, perseverance is something that we all muster and learn from our experiences and build on them. I think I think that's what I would say is my, uh, my most interesting experience. And God bless Auntie Alice for being there. I'm getting all philosophical. I think we can even take this into our life and say, you know, every day is a new rehearsal. Quite right. There's no business like show business like no business I know. Sorry. I have musical Tourette's. I hope you don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) What a good good thing to have. (laughs) What would you say the how did the drag community and maybe you you already said so many things about actually this quote this question that i'm asking right now but if you want to add something please do what would you say how did the drag community contribute to the lgbt plus community that it is today well i think the world loves a clown and Drag queens entertain both the LGBT community and the broader community. And let me tell you, a lot of queens, they make it look very easy. And I'm here to tell you it really isn't. Um, I'm not giving myself a hard time when I say, you know, I've worked really hard and I'm certainly not the best queen you're going to meet. I'm, I'm just telling you for a fact, there are some amazing talents out there and it takes an awful lot of work up and down the country, doing all kinds of gigs, um, entertaining the masses. Um, and um, I, I think it's it's a lot of hard work. And that's just the entertainment. I've spoken about being visible and about being the contrarian sometimes, or certainly using satire to comment on who we are, what we are, and some of the things, the, the, the challenges we face. I think comedy is a great way of addressing some of those themes. And a lot of drag queens have done that. I think I think being you don't get much more visible LGBT than than being a drag queen. And of course, that too, you're putting yourself out there for ridicule, for challenge. It's kind of comes with the job as part of the job, as part of the intention, but also I think all of that takes takes a lot, um, a lot of character. Um so um, I think being visible, being outspoken, and being fabulous, darling. I think that's what the LGBT community gets from drag queens. At least I hope so. And if you're not doing that, try harder. 
No. <laughs> we have to edit that bit out. He'll kill me. No. We can laugh too. <laughs> so that's great. Make them uh, laugh. Is there anything else that you would like to add? Because unfortunately we have to finish. We're... Yes, time is running out. Every show has to come to its end and the curtain closes. I'm so sorry. But is there anything you want to say before you drop that? Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> before <laughs> this interview <laughs> is over. over. <laughs> <laughs> the shade of it all. The gay shade of it all, darling. The gay shade. Um, what do I have to say? In closing, you know, they say it gets better. I say, don't wait. You've got everything that you need right in here. Be who you are. Keep it on the inside or put it on the outside. But better starts today. And there are people out there, be it another drag queen, be it a podcaster, but people care. And I think that's important. So, yes, it does get better, but let's make it better today. What a great way to close this interview. Thank you, Matron. Thank you, Mark Ashton, for everything you said, for your time that you invested into this podcast, into this episode. Thank you for being willing to even push Mark Ashton to shave his beard. <laughs> uh, I, I really enjoyed doing this podcast. Uh, dear viewers and listeners, I hope you enjoyed yourself and you jo enjoyed a little bit of magic and that you were able to laugh a little bit with us today. This podcast is made in partnership with the European Forum of LGBT Christian Groups. It is part of the Let Us Be Heard series supported by HMS. Subscribe, like, share and comment in the comment section below. Thank you for being with us and see you soon. Bye and bye, Matron. Thank you. Bye. God bless. <laughs>